Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40, a weekly podcast about stepping outside of the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two 40-something-year-old friends and coaches who are on a journey to live the second half of our lives with greater flow and ease. Our passion is to guide and support our clients in becoming their most authentic and aligned selves. We love digging into a variety of topics and sharing some of our insights and perspectives through our coaching lenses. We both spent the first half of our lives trying to fit into a box only to realize we were burnt out and searching for a better way to do life. We are here to remind you that it's never too late to start living your best life. Let's get into today's episode. I am so excited for today's episode because this is going to be our very first guest interview. And what makes it even more special is our guest is my very first life coach that I worked with. And she's someone that I love to rave about and was a massive catalyst to my own journey with healing and even my journey into becoming a life coach. And so to introduce our guest... We're going to be speaking with Carly from The Journal Life today. And Carly is a corporate dropout turned creative life coach, positive psychology practitioner, and published researcher. She's here to help people pleasing perfectionists ditch social expectations and thrive. And you'll usually find her armed with some sort of journal and creative tools and a deep desire to talk to you about everything and everything. One of my absolute most favorite things about Carly. And Carly is here to show you how you can change your life through the power of journaling, creativity, and conversation. So Carly, Carrie, and I would love to introduce you to today's episode. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we are as well. And it's funny because I've talked about you to Carrie many different times. And Carrie was actually a good friend of mine while I was starting my journey to becoming a life coach. So she kind of saw that whole process that you were coaching me through. And yeah, we're just so incredibly thrilled because we couldn't think of a better person to have as our very first guest interview. And we are excited to dive into some great questions. It's also cool because Dominique and I met through the online planner paper stationary community. And that's sort of your coaching direction and specialty is through journaling and writing. And so for both of us, that's something that we both love doing and that connected us and is how we became friends. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's so cool. And I just want to add, I feel like my cheeks are going to be like painful by the end of this because I can't stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's the way we like things. <laughs> We're going to be like, this just this face. <laughs> I know. Good. We're glad we can do that for you. (laughs) It's like that American thing where we just smile all the time. I lived in Spain for four years and I noticed right away that no one there just randomly smiled on the street like we do here. Like if you pass someone, we smile. And I was doing that to everyone there and realizing they weren't responding back and that... (laughs) 
I was being very awkward. So I immediately stopped smiling at everything. Kind of like weirdo. What is this lady smiling at? I always smile at people. Like I, I, that's just who I am. I do it all the time. And I think more people do it here in the UK, but you do get some weird looks. I think people are thinking like, why is she smiling at me? Like, so like friendly, what's going on? Now, and I was going to ask you, like, where in the UK you are, because I would like to think our listeners are catching on to the beautiful accent you have. I just, it's so charming, I have to say, but where in the UK are you? So I'm in the Southeast and I'm like smack bang in the middle of London and Brighton, if you're familiar with those places. So right between the coast and like the city. So yeah, I'm literally like 30 minutes from each place. So it's a nice, you have the best of both yeah, worlds. Yeah, it's a nice, yeah, nice location to live. So yeah. That is so beautiful. And I love watching your stories on Instagram. And by the way, we're going to have all of Carly's contact information down below. And I highly recommend you follow her on Instagram because so much creative inspiration, but also I love seeing the behind the scenes of you going out for your walks and, you know, walking the dogs. Cause I know you started to do a little bit of dog walking on the side because it yeah. brings you joy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was finding that because I work from home, some days I wasn't leaving the house. So I was like, right, I need, I need a purpose. Like just saying, oh, I'm going to go for a walk today was not enough. So Mm. like this job came up with a perfect time. Girl just started a local company and I was like, hey, I'll be your dog walker. (laughs) So I I just do it days a week. Yeah, it's great. Oh, that's so wonderful. It's absolutely lovely. Now, I would love to hear more of your story of, moving from corporate to coaching. And that's like one of my absolute favorite things is just to hear people's stories, like when they're shifting careers or discovering like their life purpose. So could you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, sure. So I kind of like fell into the corporate world, shall we say. So I did the whole, you know, went to school, went to university, fell into a job straight out of university just to kind of give you a bit of like background I wanted to be a detective I had seen Angelina Jolie in the film Taking Lives was my like inspiration maybe a bit of Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs as well that that kind of so good so good (laughs) and so I wanted to be like you know these amazing women that you see on the tv being these amazing detectives soon came to realize that that's not what it's like in the real world but I did criminology and psychology at university and then yeah fell into a job with the the local police like kind of just doing a bit of everything I was doing like an admin role real kind of entry level role went in there ended up getting into the world of crisis management which was really interesting and then ended up getting a really good job in an international airport and dealing with crisis management in an airport was was interesting I liked it but I didn't love it in between kind of that working for the police and then going to the airport I kind of dabbled into like what do I want to do with my life because this job was like terribly paid and I was just like what am I doing you know where do I want to go and I did look into becoming a life coach and I must have been kind of mid 20 and I looked into it but then I never really pursued it and then I landed this really good job at the airport so kind of just fell into that and just stayed doing it because I was like you know this is a career this is great but always knew deep down that that wasn't for me forever and then about kind of 
2019, I started kind of exploring 2018, 2019, I kind of started exploring the world of like online business. Oh, I actually skipped a bit because I started my Instagram in 2017. I'm just going to jump all over. But I started my Instagram in 2017, not really thinking anything about like business or anything like that at all. I just started my Instagram very much around journaling. And it was a bit of like a a Pinterest page for me but on Instagram and I was sharing my stuff I was sharing other people's stuff and then through the course of like two years I'd say I realized that I wanted to help people I realized I wanted to do more and I realized that I could do more but I still wasn't sure how I enrolled in Marie Folio's B school um if you're familiar with that, to learn how to start an online business. I still didn't really know what I was going to do. And then I just was like, something hit me and was like, yeah, but what about life coaching? You thought about that, you know, a few years back, why not do that? So I started exploring all of that and started, you know, getting myself certified and doing some courses. And then I went back to university again and studied for a master's in psychology and coaching psychology. And that was really like, well, this is really, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And COVID came along and I had seven months of being on furlough and working on my business essentially. And I was like, right, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, and I'm not going to go back to work. I'm not going to go back to the corporate world because what have I been spending all this time building my business and, you know, really chasing my dreams if I'm just going to go back to the corporate world and then just kind of like put that all on hold. So that was a real, you know, as shit as COVID was, there were some good things to come out of it. And one of them was like going all in on my business and like really just taking it full time essentially. And and then yeah, fast forward to like now and I've been doing it since like 2020 full time. But yeah, just that's kind of in a nutshell, <laughs> a bit all over the place, but that's how I got to where I am today and just realized that I was made for more and the corporate world is just a really icky place for me and I don't do well with hierarchical power all of that kind of stuff like I just see everyone as equal I was fortunate that quite a lot of the people I worked with although they were senior positions they they did treat everyone as equal and like human beings but I know in some places it's not the case and yeah so I just realized I'm not built for the corporate world and I'm not really built for people kind of telling me what to do (laughs) (laughs) I think that is like a huge piece that came out of the pandemic that a lot of people had this awakening to what type of work-life balance style they wanted to have because they saw, oh, working from home really worked Ooh. for me. Or they realized, no, I need to be around people and I don't want to be at home. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, and for me, I had my kind of aha moment during the pandemic as well as, you know, what you were saying, Carly, because again, as shitty as it was, as, I mean, just hard and grueling of a time it was. I feel like because it forced us to slow down and really examine our lives and, you know, what we wanted from our lives, a lot of individuals really turned to working from home, you know, that remote online businesses. And that's kind of where I started as well when I was seeking something different because I was so incredibly burnt out working 40 hours a week as a physical therapist assistant 
because it's one of those areas in the healthcare field where it's oftentimes about the numbers, how many patients can you get in? So you can bill as much as possible. So it's felt like a factory and Mm. my body just got to the point where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Like I come home and I feel like a zombie. And when we shut down at the clinic, that's when I started examining things and life coaching was in the back of my mind. But I was like, you know what? I have a lot to work on before I consider, you know, doing life coaching or starting my own business. And I think it's so important to experience life coaching for yourself before actually creating a business out of it. And I hadn't at that point. And that's what brought me to reach out to you, Carly, because I had been following you on Instagram for a little while, like Carrie and I were sharing with us both being in the planner community and journaling worlds. I just found such great inspiration from your content and decided, okay, this this is going to be the person that I work with. And let's see what this life coaching thing is all about. So with, with our time together, I would love to kind of ask you a little bit about your process. Like I know very intimately your process for coaching, your framework and things like that. But when you and I were working together, like what was that process that you took with me? And some of the things to share that I was working on was the people-pleasing tendencies, past trauma that was unresolved and trauma that I had to work through in order to start my business. Yeah. Yeah. And like, honestly, it was such a pleasure to have you as a client, like, and to witness the progress and the the dedication as well to actually like put in the work because Mm -hmm. when, and you'll know this, like when you work as a coach with clients, you know, often people will say, you know, thank you so much. Thank you for, you know, helping me and supporting me. And a lot of the time I'm like, no, this is you. Like, I'm here to guide you and support you and hold you accountable, but you're the one putting the work in. And so like just kind of celebrating that for a minute and and actually recognizing the work that you put in to get to where you are now is, you know, something that I think is really important to do. And we don't as humans celebrate ourselves enough. So yeah, so I guess like anyone comes along and well, obviously we're talking about yourself but a client comes along and you identify what it is that they want to work on you know they come to you with a problem an issue something they want to work through a goal and so for you it was you know as you mentioned people pleasing tendencies and unresolved trauma and, and building yourself up and empowering yourself so that you could move forwards and start your journey and you know kind of make peace with some of the things that we were working on And I think so, you know, identifying that and then taking you through the hard questions, you know, that's the biggest part, I think, is is asking you the questions that you know you need to ask yourself, but it's scary as shit Mm. to ask yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's hard. 100%. And questions that you don't even think to ask yourself. And it just blew my mind. It really did when I was working with you and these questions that would come out and I would just be like, oh my God, I never really thought of that. Like, 
it's definitely something I should think about. Okay, let's let's examine this. Let's look yeah. at this. And I now knowing myself better and understanding that I need to be asked specific questions in order for clarity to be brought into my life. And that was something, and even the journaling prompts that you gave me afterwards, which I absolutely loved doing these journaling prompts, but to share a little bit more, I have discussed on our podcast that my unresolved trauma is due to childhood sexual abuse and rape that I never spoke about. I never shared with anyone except my husband and like my best friend. And I hadn't even told my parents about it. And I wanted to start my life coaching business to help people work through unresolved trauma. So I had you kind of help prep me for this difficult task Mm. of finally sharing my story with my parents, because I wasn't going to go from like one day being like, oh, you know, this is great to another day. Oh, by the way. I have my business and I'm doing this business because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, my parents would be like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, what just happened? So I knew the important part was for me to first tell my parents before I could even start my business. And that process, working through that with you, through those hard questions, through even the resources that you gave me to look into specific articles and books, that guidance was just completely life-changing yeah and and it's almost like a it's providing you with a safe space to talk through that to talk through those things first and almost like do a bit of a dummy run with someone who's completely unbiased mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know you, you've got that safe space so that you can come and have that conversation with someone who actually doesn't know a lot about you you know that's why when you're coaching one of the first things that you're taught is that you shouldn't really work with friends or family because you know too much about those people you can you can offer support and you can offer help but you shouldn't really coach people that are close to you because it's it gets Mm. messy so you know when you work with someone who doesn't really know that much about you they you know I know enough to help you and I know enough of what you've shared but then I can kind of take that you know neutral standpoint um give you that space to talk through exactly what it is you want to talk through and work through and, you know, process. And it's a safe space. It's a confidential space and anything you share, you know, stays in that space. But then what it also is, is it's that metaphorical handholding. So when you then go and do the task or, you know, you know, speak to your parents and, and do the hard things, it's that metaphorical knowing that I'm there actually, you know, not really, but holding your hand and, you know, or, or I'm on your shoulder and I'm kind of saying, you know, it is okay, you can do it. And it's kind of just knowing that there is someone there, you know, if it goes, if it goes the wrong way, let's say the conversation goes the wrong way, you know that you can come back and have that conversation with me and talk through it. If it goes the right way, you can come back and we can have a conversation about it. And it's just that kind of extra layer of support that when we do things on, on our own, we don't have. Yeah, 100%. And I I love you mentioning the idea of having that safe space because I never realized just how key that was to any type of transformation. And, you know, what I talk a lot about on my 
you know, platforms, Instagram, YouTube, and with my clients is without safety, there, there can be no growth or movement forward because of just how much our nervous system controls that for us. And I, I experienced just that as having this space where I wasn't fearful of being judged, blamed, or shamed, which were things that I was carrying with me for so much of my life. And disappointment was a big one. That was a struggle because I didn't want to disappoint my family with this news, with this information. But the level of confidence that I gained was just absolutely unbelievable. And my parents saw it too. They even made like comments before they even knew the whole story of it. And it's just, it, it's so validating, of course, when you have people in your life recognizing these improvements and, you know, saying like, oh, wow, what are you doing differently? Mm, yeah. And that's empowering in itself because you start, like I mentioned earlier, kind of that celebration of the work you're putting in when other people who don't have a clue about the work you're doing when they're seeing it you're like wow shit I'm doing something good here you know something is working and I need to keep it up absolutely and Carrie and I always chat about you know just how many different avenues and framework there is with coaching in general and with you know, you carry being an Enneagram coach having your specific framework and then me being very focused on nervous system Carly, like the whole creativity aspect of it, I would love to to hear a little bit more about what what is it specifically that drew you to implementing creativity, journaling, art with with your work with clients? Yeah, so like I've always been a creative person, and I think coming to the realization only recently actually that I can incorporate as in having the realization of the of like what I'm actually doing now is I'm taking something that I love to do and I'm actually bringing it into my work which is like the dream right you know doing things that you love within your work is is what everyone wants to do really well that's what I think right? um, <laughs> but yeah so the power that that writing and creativity holds is like immense so creativity and it almost, I heard someone say this saying once, I would never want to claim that it was mine, but it's like a doorway to the unconscious and mm. the subconscious. And just, it's just, a, you know, it just opens these doors in our brain that, and our mind that conversation doesn't always allow us to. And I'm sure you both know from, you know, from journaling yourselves, the power that we have when we write things down and the clarity that we gain and the, the new perspectives that we can find through writing is so, so powerful. And so um, my research that I did for my master's was on the power of, of journaling as a tool to support coaching. And I carried out a piece of qualitative research and, and I, I worked with clients. And what we found was that clients were able to solve some of their own problems in their journals because, and, and which what that meant was, was that they didn't need to bring all of their problems to a session. They brought the bigger things, but the smaller things they were able to solve themselves because they just kind of wrote and wrote and wrote until they were like, oh, that's what I need to do. Oh, yeah. that's, that's why that thing has been annoying me. That's why that thing triggered me. And you come to your own conclusions through writing. 
And then when it comes to creativity, like writing falls under that kind of umbrella. But when there's other things that we can do, and a lot of the work that I do in my community membership with the women that are in that group is using creativity and creative exercises. So metaphor work, visualizations, and what else do we do? We do, you know, you'll have a prompt and instead of writing about it, people will use arts and crafts and collaging and it's a mindful activity so it kind of enables us to be really present and it enables us to access areas of our subconscious like I said that conversation doesn't and it brings out things that we haven't thought about in years decades you know like things that we've just suppressed in child Mm. things you know like just these things that are laying within us dormant and actually sometimes listening to a piece of music or looking at an image and being in that space with that image or that piece of music or you know that prompt and allowing yourself the space and the time to really like delve deep into that it just brings up things that you didn't even know were an issue or didn't even know were the root cause of a problem you feel like a you know a core mm-hmm. wound that you're dealing with as an adult and I just there's just so much power in it so I think it really and like you mentioned in the bio like through creativity journaling and conversation is that's like through those three things I feel like they're a perfect recipe for us to kind of dig deep really get into that self-discovery and then kind of figure out the answers and the solutions and the ways forwards but just conversations on on their own I feel like they're maybe you know they're, they're they're effective they're definitely effective but I feel like without those other two things like they, they supercharge the conversations and they just enable the mm-hmm. results to be so much bigger and quicker I think it's quicker is another thing as well and one of the clients in the research said I can't imagine just doing coaching without the journaling like the progress would be so much slower because I just think especially if you get stuck into those prompts outside of the session you're continuing that work and you're going Mm -hmm. deeper and you're exploring on a deeper level than just kind of finishing that one-to-one session and then not seeing them for two weeks and not doing anything in between so I just think yeah like that supercharge element of of what they provide and what they enable us to do is just I'm gonna say magnificent (laughs) I think that's like a perfect word for it because it's it's kind of like you know the left brain right brain right where you're you're using like the logic the creativity and you're marrying it together that's what it sounds like is I know a lot of people tend to you know use more one side than the other and or just you know a little bit more geared to think one way. And so it sounds like it kind of just brings both together and it's like a powerhouse. Yeah. And and there's a an American psychologist called James Pennybaker. And he kind of created this term expressive writing. And that very much looks at processing our trauma, processing stressful events through writing. And he carried out and he still carries out, maybe, maybe not today, but maybe in the last 10 years, but in definitely in the eighties, he carried out lots of studies around people who had experienced traumatic events and actually how they could heal themselves through their writing because it enabled them to create a new perspective. It enabled them to 
rewrite the narrative of what they'd been through and also like rewrite new narratives like and new paths and all of that kind of stuff so james pennybaker is definitely one to look up when it comes to writing and trauma specifically very cool yeah we'll have that information below for sure and i i'm going to be looking into that because i'm very curious to learn more about that and your your study that you did is that published mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's oh. open access. So yeah, you can link that down there as well if you want. Beautiful. Absolutely want to do that for sure. And it's, I like the whole idea of rewriting your story and that narrative. And I'm currently working on getting certified as a quantum human design specialist. And that is something that is very deeply discussed about how powerful our words are that frequency, that vibration frequency, and how it in turn attracts what we truly desire within our lives. And it's kind of when you're working on the deconditioning process, rewriting that story, your true story, not based off of your conditioning, mm -hmm. but what you are feeling and finding within yourself through these powerful questions that you know, a coach can take you through or through your own realizations through journaling. So it's, it's such a beautiful, powerful practice for sure. I'm really curious, Carly, when did you start journaling or like what your personal journaling journey looked like? Because for me, for years, I didn't journal because as a child, I was very much conditioned to think my mother used to say don't write anything down that you don't want read aloud in court oh interesting and so I really had to work through this and I've been consistently journaling for the past two years and tried for years before that but had this block against it and finally I pushed through it by getting like a book I really love writing in and a pen I love writing with and making it like a really pleasurable experience but I'm really curious about your personal journaling journey I guess yeah no that's a really interesting one because sometimes people are quite surprised about my journey but I journaled a lot when I was younger I kept a diary definitely probably until my late teens maybe even into my very early 20s and then I didn't you know like university life you know that was just I just didn't really feel the need to have one and then I rediscovered it again in my late 20s, like 28, 29, I think. And, and I've been journaling ever since then, three now. But what I would say is that my practice is very all over the place. So I'll go through phases. So during the pandemic, I was writing every single day because I was very, I had so much that I needed to process and I was very confused you know like when it came to what what am I doing with my corporate job and what am I doing with my business and what do I want everything to look like so there was just a lot of processing in that time so I was some days I was writing twice a day during the pandemic because I was just it was very heavy wasn't it there was so much going on and what I would confession to make is that I've actually lost my way with it a little bit at the moment and i spoke about it on my stories literally a couple of days ago um and that is that I want to make it more of a ritual kind of like you just described Carrie like I have journals and I'm always saying to people it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be complex you can just use a notebook and a pen 
there is no barrier to entry. You can just use paper and a pen. Doesn't need to be fancy. But what I'm finding, I've hit a point now, is that actually any old journal and a pen is not satisfying me. And I need to turn it into something that is, okay, I'm going to sit in this little space. I'm going to turn it into a ritual. I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to have a brand new, I'm going to get myself, this is what I'm going to get myself. I'm going to get myself a leather journal cover and I'm going to get the ones where you buy the inserts. So then, you know, once you've finished with the insert, then you then you replace it. There's a brand called Stalogy. Yes, I know. <laughs> Yeah. So Their paper's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen, so I found a nice cover on Etsy and I'm going to get some inserts, you know, and they do like 400 pages. So it's going to last me a while. And then, so I've been kind of like researching and seeing what other people are up to and using Instagram to kind of help me to just discover what do I want this ritual to look like? Because I feel like I need to reconnect with it because I've just been kind of willy nilly doing it and not really sticking to it and getting myself some new pens, of course, as well. So, yeah, so my journey is a bit like all over the place. But at the moment, yeah, I feel really disconnected with it. And I I have been journaling, but it's been very sporadic. And what I want it to become is a ritual that I do. Doesn't have to be every day, can be every other day whatever works for me but I want it to be more consistent a consistent ritual yeah I love that I try to ritualize things in that way as well like making it cozy making it an enjoyable experience that I look forward to rather than a task I have to check off of my to-do list and on days that I don't really feel like writing but I still want to my journal's dated, so I want to have every page filled in. I just find like a beautiful quote or something mm. to write that day. And then when I look back, I'm like, oh, I didn't feel like journaling this day, but I still have something inspiring yeah. to read. Oh, I love that. Love that so much. And and yeah, ritualizing things. I already think that ritual is going to be my word 2023. I've already decided, I think, because I want to turn reading into a ritual. I want to turn skincare into a ritual. I want to turn all these things that are important to me, but I don't seem to make the time for into rituals. So yeah. Stereotypically speaking, I feel like British people make their like cup of tea. <laughs> time like such a ritual which we as Americans don't do so I'm always really inspired by British friends when they like sit and have their tea and they just drink their tea they're not drinking it while driving (laughs) or doing something else yeah I do that every morning and then I'm like should I be journaling no I'm just gonna drink no I love that (laughs) I started doing that as a ritual in the mornings for myself as well just instead of like popping right into work that's my my moment to be like, okay, nope, we're doing just a nice slow morning and practicing for me. Like one thing I've practiced over the years is just trying to be more present and not so distracted. And so I I take the opportunity for my morning ritual to either have the, the tea or the coffee. Carly, how do you like to take your tea? Uh, we have obviously English breakfast tea <laughs> and I have it with milk. And a sweetener. Very nice. <laughs> you put milk in your tea, Dominic? Yes. So my husband, it, his mom's side of the family is English. And every time we visited them, they, they had tea and it was with milk. And I never drank it with milk before. And I tried it. And I was like, this is damn good. Okay. So now 
I will only have the English breakfast tea with milk and I do have sugar as well. I have never had tea with milk in it. And when I tell this to my English friends, they just can't take it. <laughs> They're like, you drink it with nothing. But I love the taste hey. of just tea. Yeah. I feel like it. it's a little too bitter for me without that little bit mm. of milk. Yeah. Mm. And That's why I am with coffee. Like it, I have to have milk and coffee. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The same thing. But I just, yeah. I love the whole ritual thing. And so speaking of, you know, starting rituals, you just covered a lot there already, Carly, but for somebody who's just kind of new at journaling and they've been wanting to kind of try it out and are thinking of maybe creating like a ritual themselves, what are some like real simple tips that you can kind of throw in there to help them along the process? Yeah. So I think like kind of, repeating what I said a minute ago just that like doesn't have to be like this big extravagant thing like you can just take any old notepad and a pen but if you want an excuse to buy new stationery then this is a perfect excuse and who doesn't want to buy new stationery yes and then I would just like start small like and I think often the thing that people say to me is I don't even know what to write. Like I just stare at the page. So a really good prompt to to get you started is how am I feeling today? It's one of my favorite prompts because we never ask ourselves that. And when people ask us that question, it's, oh yeah, I'm fine. How are you? And that's it. And then that's the end of the conversation. So true. So if you ask yourself, how am I feeling today? The tangents that you will find that you go off on just from that one question and I do it in my workshops and people always say, and I set a timer for three minutes and people are like, I cannot believe how much I wrote in three minutes. Like actually having that prompt opened the floodgates. And so, yeah, start with a prompt. If you don't, if you've done that prompt and you want to try another one, just kind of like literally head to Google. There are so many head to my website. There's so many there, but just kind of, you know, what, what do I need today? Like what, Mm. you know, how am I feeling and what do I need today? They're two kind of good ones to start with. And if you feel like you haven't got enough time to do it, you can literally just set a timer for five minutes and just do it. Three minutes is fine. But, you know, it doesn't need to take up half an hour. It can just take up a small period of time and you can build up. If you want it to become more of a ritual, you can build up and you can start incorporating 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And I think as well, the only rule in journaling is that don't censor yourself Mm, so write truthfully don't tell fibs in your journal because it's just not going to be give you the the power and the effectiveness that it needs to and going back to what you said Carrie about like writing things down and it being read in court (laughs) or like you worrying about someone reading it I encourage you to write it down and then shred it burn it destroy it if you really want to get it off your chest and you really want to get it out you can write it down and then if you want to get rid of that page you know tear it out or nicely cut it out so it doesn't upset your journal (laughs) (laughs) take a stanley blade and you know so no one knows there's a page missing and dispose of the evidence but don't allow that to stop you from processing things because you're worried someone's going to read it or carry your journal with you at all times so no one can ever read it. (laughs) 
Yeah. I actually remember you telling me that giving me that tip is to like rip it up, burn it, whatever it might be, because I was so terrified of, you know, somebody, my, my husband, whoever reading it. And that was so incredibly helpful for me, especially because I had such a tendency to want to censor myself. Mm. And so I specifically remember you sharing that a little bit of input and it just works wonderful. Even to this day, like I will still like make sure it's on a piece of paper that I can just tear off and throw away, but it allows me to put that pen to the paper and get the thoughts out. I think there are some cultures, I'm not going to misspeak because I'm not sure which ones, but who like it's, there is a ritualistic act where you write down things you want to let go of and release and you burn it. Like it's part of it and you burn the sage Mm -hmm. and everything. So it's like, that could even be a piece of the ritual of working through and letting go of what Mm. you are processing through the journaling. Yeah. Yeah. People do that with like new moon and full moon ceremonies. And yeah, so it's like a ceremonial thing. And, and I know people that do that down on Brighton beach. (laughs) Cool. I love that. I wish I lived there. <laughs> I need to but find yeah. like a, a moon group or something here of women who do that kind of stuff. Cause it's, it sounds amazing. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And I feel like it's just, again, like another ritual where you feel like you're, you're releasing so much baggage mm, through the yeah. act of destroying or burning and whatever it may be. And so it's no longer just being stuffed away. And another thing that I remember you sharing with me, Carly, and I loved it. You drew this like brain or just like a skull for me. And you were writing down like all the thoughts that we have. And then there was only this tiny little chunk. And you're like, yeah, if we don't get things out of our head, then we don't have the room to put new information. And that just totally stuck with me. I was like, wow. Okay. Yep. No wonder my brain is just so full. Mm -hmm. I wasn't writing to just get thoughts out of my head at that time uh, and and especially when it comes to like ruminating right and we're just literally going round and round the same thing and literally for 12 hours in the day and even when you go to bed like the same shit just going round, and you can't mm-hmm. come to a, like a resolution in your head because it doesn't allow you to almost like compartmentalize it and make sense of whatever it is that's going around there so yeah like literally just getting it all out on the page and going oh yeah, that's yeah. what I need to do. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, I do that every evening now. Because mm-hmm. I recognized after we discussed that I was very much stuck in this cycle of ruminating and replaying thoughts and worried about forgetting things. So every single night, I just write whatever is up here. <laughs> and just to get it out so I can sleep a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Love that. All right. Carly, uh, I just wanted to ask if you've noticed any themes amongst the clients you've worked with any similar conditioning or social expectations that they're trying to work through or does everyone sort of come with their own unique idea of what they want to work on I think there's definitely themes like people have their own goals and their own like things that they want to reach but the blocks and the things that are preventing them from getting there are very similar so you know fear is a big one people pleasing with fear comes kind of like shame and embarrassment as well these are things definitely that people but they don't necessarily realize that they have those things 
until you start unpacking it. People pleasing, definitely, like, and perfectionism. I mean, like, especially because I, I only work in my one-to-one settings with women. And, you know, we've all kind of evolved in the world that we live in today. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that has happened and conditioned us is starting to be unpacked. I feel it's definitely... With some of the people that I follow on social media, there's a lot of work being done to kind of unpack some of this kind of patriarchal stuff that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, we've grown up with. And the people pleasing is definitely one of those. And the perfectionism is definitely one of those. And I think that trying to be the best and trying to be good at everything that we do and then thinking that we're not good enough as women and like as for all my clients is definitely something that comes through is this kind of... I want to do this and I and I want to be this but I'm scared I'm I'm you know I'm fearful of failing of what other people will say a lot of people that I work with are on a different journey to the status quo so they're not they're not following the the normal kind of societal expectations of and not to be kind of like cliche but you know go to school go to college university get a job get married have kids that's that because we're made Mm -hmm. for more than that right we are made for more than that but society tells us that if we haven't you know if we're not in a in a long-term relationship and maybe thinking about having children or getting married by the time we're 30 then what are you doing with your life Mm -hmm. and you know and and so so many women get caught up in that notion of well what am I doing with my life if I've not hit those milestones and that's what I find a lot of the women that I work with believe that they should be hitting these milestones which are just made up by society they're not real so some of the kind of work that we do is this kind of reframing and unlearning and unconditioning and all of that to kind of say that's made up it doesn't matter if you're not doing that you're on your own journey and if you don't want to do those things you know you you might be you know happily in a relationship you might want kids but you might not want them yet but we live in a world that just says you know oh you're married yet oh when are you having kids oh you know and all these questions but actually what these women what I try to empower these women to do is turn around and say oh no actually I'm working on myself right now or actually I'm thinking of starting a business and feeling confident and comfortable to respond with that rather than going oh, oh no no I, I'm not having children yet uh you know and kind of getting tongue-tied so going back to the original question mm. the common theme is this kind of I don't want to follow the path that society tells me to but I also don't know how to not follow that path because that's all I know so can you help me <laughs> And then we unpack everything that comes with that. So yeah, that's probably the most common theme. And then everything that stems from that, you know, the the fear, the shame, the embarrassment that you're not married and settled down, but it's not real. And this is the kind of, yeah, the the unlearning that we all need to do. (laughs) This is probably when Dominique and I speak you know, have our weekly video chats aside from the podcast, this is probably at least 80% of our conversation, (laughs) like this exact thing. Yep. Um, That box. box I feel like we have both done a pretty good job of working through it, but I don't know, 15 years ago, it was hard. Well, especially when you're younger and you're at the age that you 
should mm-hmm. be getting married and you should be having kids. I, I wrote a blog post recently about, I think it's the 12 responses to give when someone asks you when you're having kids or getting married. And it's not just aimed at people who don't want children. It's aimed at people who are struggling to fall pregnant, who are having fertility issues, because stop asking people when they're having children, because actually they could be trying. They could have spent the last four or five years trying. And actually you asking them is painful for them and you know people that maybe want it but want it in 10 years time and so it's I've written the blog post in the hope that it arms women with responses because what I found was that when people asked it to me I would find that I maybe would get defensive and then it would come off like stroppy and that's the last thing I wanted to do but because I wasn't prepared I didn't know what to say. So I would get, you know, I'd get defensive. So I've created this blog post so that, you know, people have a, a, a reference document to arm themselves with these responses. If people ask the question. I read that blog post, I think maybe a week ago, and I just I loved it so much. I'm of course going to link that in the show notes too, but I just, it's such a beautiful gem. Like you said, not just for people who aren't looking to have children, but ones that are maybe struggling and hurting, you know, because of that too. Yeah. And- or people who like really wanted kids and can't have them, whether it's because yeah. of a medical condition or fertility and they know for sure they can't. Yeah. Yeah. You just never know who you are offending with that question. No. I know exactly it's all I just think stop asking people that just stop it right (laughs) that question needs to be removed if people want to tell you when they're having kids then that's up to them but we don't need to keep probing people yeah absolutely (laughs) the thing is and I remind myself this quite often is I I never know what is going on in someone else's life so I can't assume Mm -hmm. anything And that's one thing that has been really helpful, even for my own, you know, potential to judge people or question things. I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. You have no idea what is going on in their lives. So it's, yeah, yeah, I love, love, love that you work on that, Carly, because like Carrie and I mentioned, it's very much a topic of discussion with a lot of our conversations. And so we would love to have you share what ways can people work with you? I know you do workshops and you also have, you have a membership. So what do you have going on right now? If people are saying like, oh my gosh, I I need to have this in my life. Yeah. So I think you said you're going to drop on my links, but Instagram, YouTube, they're kind of like my main hangouts and my website. I've got lots of blog posts and lots of free downloads as well. My membership, the True Self Society, only opens twice a year. So the next time the doors will be opening will be June next year because they have just opened and closed. And then in the new year, I'm running January or January, which is a course I run. It's a two week, 14 day guided journaling course, which I run. Uh, this will be the third year now which is exciting so the doors will be opening for that very soon but if you head over to my website just get yourself on my mailing list and then you'll be notified of everything that I'm doing whether it's workshops I often run free journaling workshops as well throughout the year so there's plenty of stuff on my website which will which will tell you and I've got courses and all sorts so website and Instagram I love all the resources that you offer and (laughs) Of course, because my brain is just like, I have to know what energy type are you in human design? Do you know? 
I am a manifester. A manifester. Ooh. That's yeah. Okay, that is beautiful because I'm li- listening to you like list everything, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's just there's so much going on. But that is your thing, and it is so beautiful. Aren't manifestors only like nine percent of the world? Yeah, I'm quite rare. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> yes, you are, and oh man, it's it's a beautiful thing, and I know for. Carrie with the Enneagram coaching. She and I were like, I wonder what Carly's Enneagram is. Yes, Carly. I am a two wing three. Yeah, I I can see that with the direction (laughs) you're going with everything you do to support people and to help people find their own self-value and self-worth. It's the perfect job for a type two. Yeah, and and I just want people to be free, right? And and myself included, right? Freedom is one of my biggest values. And I actually have Be Free tattooed on my arm, which I got done like after I left the corporate world as a reminder to always be free. And I just want I just want everyone to be free of like the shackles that society puts on us. And I just want people to be able to forge their own path and literally as cliche as it sounds create a life they love and live a life of their dreams because like why not we're only here once absolutely this is your one life and you can make of it whatever you desire and it's absolutely beautiful as cliche as it might be I think it is just (laughs) absolutely perfect thank you so much Carly this conversation has been so fun. I can't believe almost an hour has already passed. I feel like we could keep going for longer, but we promised ourselves we would keep it at an hour. Yeah. I'm the same way. And we warned you too, Carly, when you were hopping on that this could be easily a two hour thing. But I want to just say we appreciate you coming on and being our first guest and sharing so much beautiful information about how to incorporate more creativity into our lives through journaling and self-reflection and self-discovery through it. And we're going to have all of your information linked in the show notes for any of you who would like to learn more from Carly or follow along in her journey. All that information will be down there for you. So thank you again, Carly. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends and or family. We'd be incredibly grateful if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your preferred listening platform as it really helps. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can connect with us through our websites or Instagram, which are all linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Our theme song was written by Michael Ahrens.